Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. All right, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, my name is Martha Dore. I serve in the Way Kids Ministry. Um, my husband. Oh, thank you. Amen. <laughs> My husband, Philip and I have been going here for, members here for a little over two years, and it's been very exciting. Um, today we're going to be reading from Psalms 34, 1 through 3. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me, and let us exalt his name together. Amen. Father, we thank you. Just for bringing us together this morning, a reminder that we have much to praise you for. And it's all rooted in you, Father. So, Lord, we just ask that you lead us and guide us in this time of worship and this time of focusing on you and hearing your word, Father. Just move in this place and just restore, refresh, and encourage our hearts and minds. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Martha. You may have a seat. Well, listen, can we just praise God together this morning? Just praise him. Just big round of applause. Thank him for Jesus. I think we just need to stop and praise a little bit more. We just talked about you are worthy of your name. It's all rooted in who Jesus is. Jesus literally means the Lord saves. And so it starts there. And so when you start there, everything else follows. And so we have much to thank the Lord for, and it's rooted in Jesus. And that's what this whole series has been about. It all points to who God is, the faithfulness and goodness of of the Lord. We're doing this series called Summer in the Psalms, and summer's winding down. We're winding down the series. But today we're going to be in Psalm 34, so I invite you to grab your Bibles or your, your apps and make your way there. If you're taking notes, you can title this sermon, Witness of God's Work. Witness of God's Work. And really, this is a continuation from last week's sermon, Reason to Praise. And so if you miss that one, shame on you, right? Come to church more often. And No, I'm just kidding. Just joking. Take it easy. Just kidding. But really, it was awesome. But reason to praise. But really, it was largely focused on praises about God pointed back to God. Right? And that is the primary purpose of our praise is to praise God. And I was thinking about just this morning, everything we do, especially our worship band is so amazing, right? We Praise God for our worship team, our worship band. They do a great job. In le- you can clap for that. Go ahead. You guys are so polite. It's like the golfers clap. You guys want to do that at a football game. I know it's football season. You all get crazy. But the primary purpose of our worship band and even the preaching of God's word isn't like, man, that band is so talented. And praise God they are. Or man, Josh, you're so clever. What? That's never said, by the way. Josh, you're so clever and wise. Uh, no, everything that we do as we gather is aimed at the Lord, is directed to the Lord. Everything that we do should be helping all of us come together to focus our attention, our praise, and worship to God alone because He's the only one worthy of it. And so that is the point of praise. And that's exactly how King David, who is the one that Psalm 34 is attributed to. It starts off with, in verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. His praise is pointed directly at the Lord. And if you remember, we left last week's gathering, worship gathering, with the challenge. 
is as we go through this week, throughout our days, we're to look for reasons to praise. Of course you remember that because you were hanging on every word last week. I remember it was amazing. But it doesn't mean like it stops, like, okay, it's been a week now, now we can do something else. It was intended to be a launching pad for the rest of our days to look for reasons every day to praise. And to be quite honest, it's easy to look for reasons to pout versus to praise, right? I mean, it just is because that's right in your face. And so we have to look past the reasons that are, are good sometimes to be a little pout-worthy and look beyond that to potentially what God is doing and turn those into praiseworthy moments because who God is. And so again, last week's message of thrust was praise is a response to God, back to God, which is the primary point of praise. But I, there's a secondary point of praise I think can easily be missed. That is, praise is a report about God to others. We touched on it briefly last week. Praise is a report about God to others. Again, the point of Psalm 31 isn't, I believe, only about what God's done for David. I would say there's a broader, wider audience in mind in Psalm 34. Which leads us to verse 2, because he does say in verse 2, I will boast in the Lord. And this boast has a praising attachment. I will boast in the Lord. And he has to ask, why? Why is David boasting in the Lord? If you know anything about David... It's because he has witnessed God's working all through his life. So he has many reasons to boast, but he gives a couple real quick here in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Now take that in for a second. God, the creator and sustainer of all things, always actually hears and responds to David's prayer. That's amazing. I'm amazed. Y'all don't look so amazed. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Thinking about if we can talk to the creator of the universe, he actually hears and answers and moves. That's an amazing thing. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. But he didn't stop there in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord and he rescued me from all my fears. So David's like, I have so many reasons to boast about God, brag on God. He answered me. He rescued me. It's interesting, as I was looking through this and thinking about bragging and boasting, at the surface level, this psalm seems to be primarily pointing about what God has done for David. Yet, if that was all that was happening here, if that's all David was saying, this psalm would not come off as David bragging, boasting on God, but really about himself. This is what God done for me. He did this for me. He's done this for me. I was thinking about this since it's, we're in full school season swing right now, right, most of us. I was thinking about some local universities, and I know University of Virginia has some high standards for admission. So thinking about the same concept of bragging and boasting, it'd be like if David was boasting on God yet talking about himself only. It'd be like, you know, I got into university. No, I didn't. Hypothetically. I got into the University of Virginia, right? So if I told you I got into the University of Virginia, you would not be boasting on Virginia, right? Because whose accomplishments? We know there's high standards. 
So, man, you've done a good job. You did all the work. You did all these things. You must have done a great job to be able to be accepted by the University of Virginia. You follow my logic here? You wouldn't be boasting on Virginia. So you could easily say, God's done all these things for David. David must have been an amazing man. No doubt he did some great things because of his faith in the Lord, but he also had some serious flaws. But it's far less about who David was and what David did. It's who God is and what he did for David because of who God is. What do I mean? The second part of verse 2, after he says, I will boast in the Lord, he then says, the humble will hear and be glad. Meaning it's not only for me, but everyone who humbly receives, it's also for you. Be glad, that means rejoice or joyful. In other words, you could say that he's saying, as this is true for me, it is also true for anyone who believes. And that's what humility is. It's considering and believing. That's what we're going to get into here in a minute. But if you take verse 4 that we just saw, essentially he was saying, I sought the Lord and he answered me, and he will for you too. I sought the Lord and he rescued me from all my fears, and he will for you too. But notice it takes up the humble that will hear and be glad. That's so key. It takes a humble heart to hear and receive out of sea in our great need. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He being God leads the humble into what is right and teaches them his way. Again here in verse 4, leading into verse 5, it says the humble will hear and be glad. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. It takes a humble heart to realize your need for help. Fellas, you know what I'm saying? It's easy to ask for help, isn't it? I'm talking to the guys because we're awful at this. We're always like, I got this. Next thing you know, you're in the hospital somewhere, right, with a cutoff finger. I got this. Bad back. We're terrible asking for help. It takes humility to be able to say, I don't got this. I need help. But it's interesting. It says those who look to him, to the Lord, are radiant with joy means we don't look to ourselves. We have to look outside of ourselves to something bigger, something more powerful, especially God. We need the Lord. And this is completely countercultural. Completely. Because what does our culture say? Look inside yourself. Look inside your own heart and then do those things. That's completely non-biblical. Do you guys realize this? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Jesus says in Mark 7, from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceitful, self-indulgence, evil, or envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And yet the culture says, look there. And so if you want to see why we're so messed up, it's because everybody's looking within themselves. I know we don't like to hear this, but this is completely true. When we make our own laws and our own rules and our own minds based on what we think is right, things get all messed up. Verse 5 says, look to Him, not to ourselves. And we even need God to create the heart in us that we need. And this is what humility breeds. This Psalm 51 verse 10 says, God, create a clean heart for me. 
That's humility. Even realizing, man, I've got some serious issues. If I really evaluate myself, I'm in bigger need than I even realize. I need the Lord to do these things. God, create this heart in me that pleases you. Create this heart in me that's humble, that desires you. Psalm 127, verse 1, simply says, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. I mean, you can do all these things, but if it's outside of what you depend on the Lord and look for Him for guidance, provisions, power, it's in vain. I would just make this thing wide open and say, unless the Lord leads my life, my life will be lived in vain. It's completely true. So the point here, this humbleness that pleases the Lord, this humble heart. James 4, 6 says, God gives grace to the humble. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. That means you have to humble yourself to approach God and say, God, I need you. And God will be faithful to meet you at that point of need. But the opposite of humbleness is pridefulness, right? And I'm just going to touch on this in a minute because I know you guys don't deal with this, but people outside the church deal with pridefulness, right? And a prideful heart is hears but is quick to resist. Just to be clear, self-sufficiency resists God dependency. I'm saying, I got this. That's what pride is. I got this. James 4, 6 also says God resists the proud. Proverbs 16, 5 says everyone with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Because what pride says is, God, I don't need you. Or takes a step further, I don't want you. I've got this. You stay over there if you even exist at all. I know you've given us plenty of reasons to believe, but I want to think what I want to think and have my own way, so I'm going to do this thing. And if we're honest, a prideful heart is primarily me-centered. It's focused on me. I want what I want because I want it. You peel back all the layers. Now, I'm going to give a caution to the Christians in the room. If you're hearing these truths about pride and thinking about someone else, you're probably closer to pride's pit than you would even know. This is my, that's how prideful we are. Like, I'm, I don't have that issue. But Steve, forgive me if your name's Steve. It's not personal. The point is, pride is self-seeking and self-glorifying. That's what pride does. And God isn't about that. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. And God is completely self-centered. Do you guys realize that? Completely self-seeking. Completely self-glorifying. And if that rubs you the wrong way, my question would be, who else would you have God glorify? You? He's the only one worthy of it. I was thinking about this psalm and thinking about the truths of this psalm. And if, if we did a mashup of Psalm 34 and Romans 10, it would sound something like, how can others hear and believe without someone boasting? 
that it is boasting on the Lord, sharing about God's goodness, His good deeds, His works, what He's done. So let me give you three points of praise or three reasons or aims to be boastful. And to be clear up front, none of them have to do what you've done. No doubt you've done some great things, no doubt. So let me give you three. Number one, boasting about God to others while having the aim to encourage them to consider. With the aim to encourage considering. Verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him. So we're boasting about God with an aim to help people consider God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There was this incident we had years ago. So my now 12-year-old son, when he was about two or three, we went out to eat at this restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but they had some cotton candy. And so we had this cotton candy, and him being, again, two or three, trying to, hey, you want some of this, buddy? And he looked at it and was completely grossed out, almost to the point of gagging, because he thought it looked like hair. He thought it was hair. And I've never tried to talk a kid into eating candy in all my life, but I found out my, myself at this point, like, buddy, just try it. Taste and see. It is good. And he would not. It was gagging him. He's recently got over that. But I feel like this sometimes. When I'm talking to people that just refuse to believe, I'm just begging them, like, taste and see. See Jesus. Try Jesus. He is good. Because I walked 20 years without Jesus, and it was awful until Jesus entered my life. My 15-second testimony is once I was angry and searching for hope and identity, and I encountered Jesus. And he's worked through and in and over those things. I'm no longer angry nearly like I used to be. And I have worth identity because I have hope that's rooted in Jesus because of who he says I am and who he's made me to be. And all my flaws and failures, I am in him. See that he is good. It's interesting, this whole boasting about God in front of others and aiming to consider. There's another way this goes as well. So we have so many things to praise God for in front of others, to say, God, God's done this for me. He can do this for you. But recently, I've tried to be more, in my family and my kids, more intentional with compliments. Both giving, but also receiving. And just yesterday, so many of you know that, me and my two older boys, we, we race BMX bikes. And so in that culture, there's a lot of different dynamics and things working, and so we're trying to be very intentional to represent Christ well in the culture. And some of it comes by just recognizing people, having conversations, intentional, and directing compliments. And so yesterday, it was really, really kind of neat. A couple opportunities, real quick. Just building a relationship with one guy out there specifically. And he's made a mention, like, man, you, you guys, speaking of me and the boys, are the nicest people in Richmond. I was saying, you're right. We're pretty awesome. I didn't say that. I said, man, I appreciate that. But let me tell you, that's not always who I was. God has done an amazing work in in my life. And so I'm glad you see that's encouraging, but no, it's it's God's work in our life that is producing what you see. So how do we take compliments 
and redirect them to have them consider God. And there's one other exchange that my oldest son had. He complimented on this one man's racing ability. And the guy turned to me and goes, how did you raise your kids to be so polite? I said, I have no idea. I said, I can only point to Jesus. That's what I told him. It's Jesus' works more Jesus than parenting. Now, what am, am I sharing the gospel every time I'm having a conversation? No, but I'm helping direct, saying, this is nothing good in me that you see. It's a good God behind me that's working through these things. So how do you help others consider God? Boasting about God in a way helps them to consider what God is doing. All right, the second. Boasting about God to others while, with the aim to encourage enduring. This is primarily boasting about God to other Christians. To encourage enduring. And what we see all throughout Psalm 34, there's this enduring aspect that is pointed to. Verse 6, it says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. And the, the poor has also the connection of afflicted and overwhelmed. But yet he cried out. Verse 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. Man, have you ever been there? Just been brokenhearted or just feel crushed, also known as depressed. In verse 19, one who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. What this means is that you're going to go through some things. And you're going to continue to go through some things. But just because you go through some things doesn't mean God has changed. And he's not near and close when you press into him. Doesn't mean he's distant. It means that we live in a fallen world around fallen people. That's what it means. And Jesus said, you will have suffering in this world in John 16. But he said, be courageous. Why? Because you're so awesome and you got this? That's all he said. He said, be courageous because I have conquered the world. Your courage isn't in your circumstances or your self-confidence or competence. It's in Christ alone. So you will go through hardships. You will. But what do you do in those moments? You realize that God is still in control. We always have a reason to praise. Going back to last week is rooted in Him. And so as we praise God, praising God to others around us, consider God is still working through this. He's still with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we can do this together. Endure. And this is the aim of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, simply says, And let us consider one another in order to provoke Love and good works. And it says this, not neglecting to gather together. This is important, meaning we need to gather together. You were not created to be alone, but actually created to be in community. The first thing that wasn't good after God's creation was man was alone. Not created to be alone. And you see God set up his church Meaning we're part of a community. It says not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging each other, and this is key, encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. And what day is that talking about? Not talking about the political season that's coming. That day's approaching too. That's going to be tough. 
But the closer we get to Jesus' return, things will get worse. Things will get harder. The world will continue to collapse and turn on itself. But we are to endure while fixing our eyes on Jesus. And the reason it's important why we gather together, because we individually forget this. We forget that God's still ruling and reigning right now, and we'll return to make all things new, but we endure, fix our eyes on Him because we need Him, and we need one another. So when we come to one, together one another, like we do on Sunday mornings, God does a special something when we're together encouraging one another, walking alongside one another, not only Sunday mornings, but also Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in case you were confused on what this week looks like. But we do life together. Encourage one another. So we're all going to fall at times. We're all going to have hard days. But you have our brothers and sisters around you say, we can do this. I'm here with you, and God's for us, leading us. He has not changed, even though your circumstances stink, because it happens. I was talking to one guy just this morning. He said, day one, I was full of fear. Day two, all of a sudden, I was full of faith and joy. I said, yeah, it sounds like following Jesus. That's what that sounds like. This is a roller coaster of life that we're on. But we need one another to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. Continue to pursue Jesus. And I am here with you. There's power in praising. I, praising does something amazing when you just praise God both alone and together. It has a way of taking us from remaining in our problems and remembering God's power, presence, and provisions. It's so easy to get stuck in the mess. But we remember God's still moving and working. Came across just some research projects that had been done today, and they continually point to the fact that the people that praise other people feel better about themselves. It changes your mood for the better. This is interesting because it's almost like we were meant to praise. We were created for worship. God does something in us as we gather to focus on Him. It's amazing. It's like He has this whole thing rigged, right? Like, you praise me. And actually, you're going to get refreshed. There's power in praising. All right, last one. Point number three. Boasting about God to others with an aim for them to go and do the same. Boasting about God to others with them, the aim for them to go and do the same. And again, why do we do all this? Because we have witnessed God's working. So we have much to praise about. Psalm 34 again, verse 3. Notice what he says. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Go and do the same. We have so much to praise for. Let's go and boast and brag on how great God is. Jesus says in Acts 1, verse 8, that you will be my witnesses. Meaning, go and share what you have seen and heard. And being followers of Jesus, you have seen and heard a lot about Jesus, even if it's been a day of following Jesus. You've still seen and heard enough that you have plenty to share and brag on God for. We've all witnessed the wonders of a wonder-working God. I love Job chapter 9, verse 10. He says, 
that God, He does great and unsearchable things, and He says, wonders without number. I love that. One, because it almost rhymes. makes my heart warm. But it's true. And if we can just pause for a minute to consider all that He's done in our lives personally. Even this morning, it's interesting, and I challenge you now, because we have a 9 o'clock prayer meeting every morning before worship, and we used to ask the question, so what's God done in your life this week that you want to praise Him for? And now you just think about it for a second. What's God done this week that you want to praise Him for? I'm not going to ask you. But if you're honest with yourself, it can be kind of hard. Man, what did I have for breakfast this morning? I don't even know what I ate for breakfast. What did God do in my week? It's crazy we can get so caught up in our schedules, so busy, running from point A to point B with one specific task in mind to accomplish this task and that task, and you go to sleep. And then rinse and repeat, right? That's what we do. And we don't have time to pause and try to look for where God's working. In the simplest of things sometimes, but God's still providing in those ways. God provided for me in a way of a donut this week. Praise God. I'm telling you, man, power of donuts. I was, I was not feeling well, and it was nothing bad. I just had a cold midweek. And I just found myself praising God, one, for a wife who takes care of his or her uh, pouty, pouty husband. I, I'm a baby when I get sick. I'm a baby. Even a cold, I'm a baby. But she knew the way in my heart, and so she brought me a donut. Right? And so I, should, I could praise the donut for being so delicious. Donut, you're amazing. Right? That'd be weird. I definitely praise my wife. Thank you. Those of me, it's God's grace that provided me a wonderful wife and taste buds to cherish this wonderful donut. I'm just, so I'm just saying, right? This is really superficial and silly. But we have so many more reasons to praise than we even consider. But we get stuck in our busyness and it's the mess just captures our attention. There's one story I just want to share quickly, and it comes out of John chapter 4, and it's this woman that we've known as the Samaritan woman. When we're thinking about, we have reasons to boast with the aim of helping and encouraging others to do the same. This woman was an outcast, likely of her society. Rejected, dejected, and dismissed by her own community, she goes to the well to draw water about noon. And that's telling because most people would not have been there at the heat of the day. They went early in the morning. But it's thought that she was, because of her lifestyle, which is, which is known, as Jesus reveals later in this conversation, that she's probably trying to dodge the crowds and get there to be alone. And then Jesus, already at the well, when she comes, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. And she says, well, how are you, a Jew, going to ask me for a drink of water being a Samaritan? Recognizing there is racial divide there. And Jesus quickly changes the conversation. It's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. You're here to get temporary water. Let me tell you about the water that satisfies eternally, that gives eternal life. And Jesus recognizes the sinful pattern that she's in. He says, for you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. So she's in this pattern of sinfulness, and probably just okay with it at this point. But Jesus doesn't stop that. He continues with the conversation to continue to point towards something bigger, something better. They start talking about worship, and 
The woman said, you know, I, I know the Messiah's coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us about differences of worship, where we worship at. And then Jesus tells her this. He says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now, this may not seem like a big deal to you. But this is early in Jesus' ministry as the proclaiming Christ, miracle worker. And this Samaritan woman, who is considered an outcast, unlikely, the least of these, probably the one that nobody thought would ever follow to Jesus, he reveals himself to her. I am the one you've been looking for. I am the Savior of the world that the world's been hoping for and looking for. I am he. And what the woman does next is very telling. Because what she come there for? She came there to get water. It says the woman left her water jar and went back into town and told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So not only did she leave the water that she came to get, she went back to the people that she was trying to avoid. Why? Because she had amazing news. She was boasting about the Jesus that she just met. And she says, come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and see. Why? Because she was a witness what God worked at that very moment. And the next thing that happens is that they come and see. Because of the great news that this woman was proclaiming and that she was showing. She had been changed. And many came to Jesus and many believed. At first because of what she said, but then when they tasted and seen that the Lord is good, they believed for themselves. And so listen, we have many reasons to boast. So let's boast about God to others specifically. As we go throughout the day in our conversations, let's praise God for what He does and is doing in our lives to others with the aim of helping them to consider God, with the aim of helping others endure, and with the aim of helping others to consider endure while going and doing the same, boasting about God. That's what I'm doing now. I've tried to do this all week, boasting about God in every conversation, and I want you to go do the same. Why? Because that will start changing lives. People are like, how do you do that? How do you have joy in the mess? Let me tell you about my Jesus. And he can do the same for you. And what's it say? The humble will hear and be glad. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deed among the peoples. His deeds among the peoples. Let me tell you this. The gospel is the greatest deed God has ever done. Let me explain. What is the gospel? Gospel means good news. Let me tell you the good news. God. That's good news. You may not think that that's good news because if there's a God, then that changes everything. And we know there is. And not only is there God, but He's created you distinctly, uniquely, wonderfully made just how you are with your warts and your bumps and your bad hairdos or lack of hair. Just like he, he created you just like that. On purpose. This is good news that you're not an accident, despite what the culture tells you. 
Despite whatever theories tell you, you're not an accident. So this is the beginning of the good deeds of what God did. God created you with this specific intention to be with Him, to ultimately worship Him because of who He is, but how could you not? To be with Him, but yet our sins messed it up. And we've all done it. Like, raise your hand if you've had a perfect week. My hand's not raised because I have. Just show you what this looks like, right? No, I can't have a perfect morning. It just shows my neediness for the Lord, but the Bible says our sins have separated us from God. And to make things worse, we can't do anything good about it. Nothing good comes from us. We can't erase our sin debt. That's why Jesus, God paved the path to have a relationship with Him through Jesus. Jesus lived a life that you cannot live, the perfect life that we cannot live. To pay the perfect sacrifice that we cannot pay, the debt is too much. We can't afford it. We cannot pay the sin debt. It requires perfection. Jesus did that to die in our place so we didn't have to. We sung about it a little while ago. And not only did he do that for you, he took your sin and my sin and nailed it to himself on the cross, boring God's wrath so we don't have to. Conquering death, rising on the third day, and now sitting right now, ruling and reigning as king of the universe. And so why does that matter? Because he says, anyone who believes in me has eternal life. That means has life with me that will never fail, fade, or go away at the moment you believe. And I'm asking, do you believe that? Not do you know it. Because you could recite what I just said. I can, I can help you rehearse and recite exactly what I said word for word. That does nothing for you. Do you believe that in your heart? Like, I see that. I've, I've messed this thing up. I've gone my own way. My ways don't work. I'm a crummy God. I need you. For somehow, some way, I hear it, but now I believe it and receive it. The humble will be glad. This is the good news of the gospel. And we're talking about boasting in the Lord. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Because God uses this good news about him with the power of the Holy Spirit to work to bring people to himself. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I'm asking, do you believe? Do you believe it? Not do you understand it. Do you believe it? Because that changes everything. Because once you believe, you can now humble yourself, surrender everything that you are, everything you have, unto the Lord. Him as king. Him as first in your life. And then from that, over and over again throughout the Bible, you see people, I believe, I want to follow Jesus, where's the water? That's what that means. Following Jesus in baptism. It's an identification with who God is. And so my question is for you, have you, have you been baptized? If you're following Jesus, have you been baptized? I think it's funny we say baptism by submersion. The word baptism literally means immerse or submerse. So really we're saying immerse by some immersion. That's what we're saying. But have you, have you followed Jesus in baptism? That is the first step in following Jesus. That is obedience. Jesus says, go and baptize. 
Have you been baptized? My question for you is, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Because it changes everything. Jesus says in Luke 11, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And everyone that comes to Jesus, with a humble heart and say, Jesus, I need you. He is faithful and righteous to do just that, give you himself. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us of our sin and give us new life that's in him, a new identity even that's rooted in Jesus. Revelation 3.20 says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I come in and eat with him. And so we have this image of us coming to him and him waiting for us and receiving us. As everyone, despite what you've been through, what you're going through, what you're in now, whatever it is, Come to Jesus and trust in him. And he's the game changer. He's the one that changes you. He's the one that makes you new. I'm asking you, do you believe it? And if you do, now is the time of your salvation. And if you have been following Jesus, now is the time of just refreshing and remembering God's grace that saved you and God's grace that compels you. Because we have much, much to boast about. And today we're going to Respond here in a minute. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. And, and if you have, for the first time, heard the gospel, like, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a little bit of it, but now I believe it. And now I want to give my life for the sake of Jesus alone. We would love to pray with you and walk alongside you as you start this faith journey. But also, if you've been following Jesus and have not been baptized, now is the time for you to start. Just kind of again with this moment of baptism. Still saved, but there was a part that has been missed in your walk with Jesus. And that's okay. It happens. But listen, we're going to celebrate life change today through baptism. So we're having a couple of baptisms that we're going to go outside and celebrate here in just a few minutes. But I'm asking you, if you have not been baptized, why not today? And you might say, Josh, I didn't bring a change of clothes. That's valid. We got some for you. So there goes that excuse. What else you got? Right? I mean, wrapping things up early. Listen, we're going to be plenty of time for lunch. We're going to be good. So listen, if you really peel back those layers, if you have not been baptized since following Jesus, all of it is just excuses. Is Jesus Lord of your life or not? All this we do, as we see in baptism, is just boasting about the Lord. That's all it is. Those waters don't do anything for you. Jesus did it, but we want to boast publicly in following Jesus as he told us to because he is worthy of all of our praise. I love the Acts 8 as we wrap things up. Philip is traveling and he sees this chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch in it. And the Lord directs him to come up to this chariot and Philip overhears this Ethiopian eunuch reading out of Isaiah. Especially this prophecy about Jesus himself. And Philip says, hey, you know what you're reading? He's like, how can I? Well, let me tell you. He shares the gospel. And then the Ethiopian eunuch says this. He goes, well, there's a body of water. What stops me from being baptized? And you see that over and over in the Bible, man. It's amazing. You hear the gospel. I want to follow Jesus. Where's the water? And Philip's like, I'm glad you asked, right? It's just such a celebration 
of what God does. And so I just want to help us just get ready to just go wild and celebrate God's goodness and grace here in baptism, but also encourage you, if you have not been baptized since following Jesus, today's the day. Today's the day. Because here, it only gets harder from here. Following Jesus only gets harder from here. So my encouragement to you, if you can't follow Jesus in baptism, what else are we going to make excuses for? Either Jesus is worthy of it all or not at all. And that's the point of following Jesus as Lord and following yourself as God of your own life. Listen, the Spirit has to lead in that. So I'm just asking the Spirit to work and refresh because He is worthy of all of our praise because He has done wonders without number. So I just want us to leave here just propelled, just encouraged by God. Maybe not your circumstances, but encouraged by Christ and what He's done for us. So I'm going to pray for us here in just a minute. I'm going to invite our band back up and I'm just going to ask you to respond. And so every Sunday, this is what we do. Respond to what God's doing. That could look a few different ways. Most of us and some of us will stand and sing praises to God because He's worthy of our praise and glory. Some of us may be sitting and dealing with the Spirit's leading in our own life right now. Maybe He's revealing some things to us where we've sinned and fallen short of God's glory, where we've gone our own ways, we've been trying to be God of our own lives, and maybe we just need to sit here and repent. That's such a good thing. It's a good thing. Because God's faithful and righteous to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe we need to pray with someone around us. Just with something God's laying on our heart. We'll have a prayer team to the side. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you, walk alongside you. But just respond to what God's doing. Because we're a church that just desires to really do biblical community well. And this is one aspect of it, is being there with one another. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Let's just respond out of a heart of worship because God's worthy of it all. So let's just humble ourselves right now before a holy, gracious God. Father, you're so good. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for the goodness of your grace. We thank you for your amazing love that never fails. We thank you for being with us being for us, never forsaken us. We thank you for pursuing us, even while we were running and maybe still are running. We thank you for being patient with us. Lord, I pray that just by your Holy Spirit, we continue to feel the, your Spirit drawing us closer to yourself. Lord, your Spirit filling this place and filling our souls, Father. Your Spirit washing over us, Father, just bringing the peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, bring to mind, even in this moment, the many, many reasons we have to give you glory and praise. Lord, we ask that you continue to lead us in worship. Let this day be a glory to you, Father. Lead us, Lord. Help us to remember that we have so many things to brag on you about. We thank you, Father. We thank you for just being a good father. We thank you for calling us to be your children. Lord, lead us in worship. Help our lives just to reflect your goodness. We thank you, Father. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.